You would pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you would grant unto us, um, as always, a fresh outpouring of your Spirit, Lord, you would quicken our hearts to your Word, Lord, that we might be um, both encouraged and challenged um, and filled, Lord, with awe and wonder of all that you are. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first, my first job as I address you this evening is really to bring you greetings. Uh, one of the things as bishop, uh, and I say this a lot, but one of the things about us being Anglicans, we're not Congregationalists. Whatever else we are, we are not Congregationalists. And to, to be Anglican means to be connected beyond or just a local congregation um, in a very real palpable way with the wider church. Um, and, that, and the bishop is sort of a sign or a symbol of that connection. And so I bring you greetings from the wider Diocese of Pittsburgh, the other um, 46 congregations in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, and even beyond that, I bring you greetings from the, the, the College of Bishops in the uh, Anglican Church in North America, um, our, um, our province, as we call it. It's just um, one of the things that is great for us to remember often is that in the church we are not alone. We are part of the great cloud of witness. And so we're grateful for that. So I, begin, I just begin with greetings, and it's really important to do that. Um, also, so let me, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit from our Isaiah text this evening, but I'm going to start with a little bit of a story, or some of the story of our, our, our life in a little bit. And so uh, for a period of, well, Tamara and I, Tamara's here with me, my wife, and uh, there was a period in our lives as a family um, which later on were named by a friend of ours as the Death Star years. And um, so they weren't good years. Um, and so th there was a, this period in our lives that ran for about 10 years in which everybody died. Um, not everybody, obviously, because we're still alive. But there, um, th there were just, there was, first of all, I think it began with uh, Tamara's father, then her grandmother, then her mother, then my father, then my mother. Um, then a very, very dear friend of our family, and then her sister, um, finally. And that was that seven people over the course of ten years. Um, and, and not significant people in our lives. And so, we, well, like, so a year when somebody didn't die was a great year. It's a fantastic year. The bar is low. Um, nobody died this year. Um, and so th they were really, really difficult and challenging years for us. But what, what I noticed, and what we noticed about ourselves in the years that were after that, is we kind of had a knee-jerk reaction to certain things. Um, we responded to certain things in a, in a certain way. And so whenever, for example, we heard that, because a number of those people in that mix died of cancer, um, whenever we heard that somebody died of cancer, it was like, mm, well, I guess we'll start saying goodbye now, because um, people don't survive that, um, at least not in our experience. And there's a certain, I would suggest to you, a certain kind of of pessimism um, that rose up within us as, frankly, an emotional defense against a lot of loss. Um, and so uh, the years themselves were hard, but there were this, this season afterwards that we had a response, a reaction uh, within ourselves that was coming out of that. I'm, I'm going to shift gears, and it may not make any sense, like, what? what but, Trust me, just stay with me. It would be really fantastic if you just stay with me. So um, I want to notice something. I, I want to begin with that because it, it'll make sense in a minute. But I want to notice something very interesting about the text.
from Isaiah today. Um, I love Isaiah in Advent. Um, the text, like last week, the Isaiah text was, you know, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come to them. What a great Advent cry for us all. But here in, in Isaiah chapter 40, in the first 11 verses of Isaiah 40, we hear these collections of words. And there's a theme, clearly. In verse 1, it says, um, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And in verse 2, it says, Speak tenderly. Again, in verse 2, it says, Cry, cry to her. So we've got, says, speak, and cry in those first two verses. And then in verse 3, a voice cries, says verse 3. And then again, um, there is a, a voice, and that's the that chapter, verse, a voice cries, it says, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Um, and then in, in verse 6, it says, a voice cries. A voice says cry. A voice says cry. And then it says, what shall I cry? And then in verse 9, we have these articulations of the, the herald of good news. Lift up your voice, says verse 9 again. Herald of good news, again, is in verse 9. And then say to this people, and throughout the whole first 11 verses, there's this articulation of speaking something out to the people that is over and over and again. There's a crying aloud to the people that really, really matters. It's a heralding, a proclaiming, a crying out that is clearly in this text incredibly important. Much is heralded in this text. I'm going to say a few things about what is heralded here. But the first thing that is said is this. Comfort. Comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak tender, tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. Comfort, comfort my people, your warfare is ended. In what? Well, the Death Star years left us reactive. Um, whenever there was just, you know, the, the startle response when bad news came, there was this, this reactive response because of what we had learned through those years. Um, reactive, perhaps pessimistic, perhaps emotionally defensive. But at some point, we live beyond that. We needed to hear comfort, comfort my people. Your warfare's in. The struggle is over. You can lay down your arms now. And, and it's so true for us, isn't it? Um, because we get stuck in that place of responding, reacting, being defensive and pessimistic about things because it protects us on some level. But at some point, we need to hear the word of the Lord, the proclamation that's said aloud at sometimes several different times, heralded in different ways. Comfort, comfort. The warfare is ended. The proclaiming of this matters. The proclamation of the good news, the gospel, breaks into our defended, pessimistic, sometimes even jaded selves and brings us out of ourselves afresh. 
And this is the message of Isaiah today in the text. It is to all of us um, who have been in the midst of different kinds of warfare. Comfort, comfort, my people. Your warfare is ended. You know, and in calling us out of ourselves in this text, what is the proclamation of Isaiah to us in this time, in this season, in this moment? Well, the message here is unmistakable, both in the use of the language, that, the, the language that's used, and also the imagery um, that is in the Middle East. It is, it is warfare language, but warfare language in the sense that the war is over. The war is over. The warfare is ended. You know, that, that, that is actually said in the text. Your, her warfare is ended. It is over. And the whole, that, 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 that whole section that begins, the voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places the plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This picture is the picture of preparing a path for a conquering king. It is about making a way for the king to return from the war, um, to make its procession through the desert, through all of the disarray, making, bringing what's in disarray back into array, that there might be a path for the glorious, triumphant king to walk on because the war is over. The war is over. For the Jews, for the Israelites, the actual war is ended, or either prophetically or descriptively, depending on when this was actually written. But this is an articulation of the end of their captivity. Because of their sins, because of their brokenness, they were taken off into, into captivity. First, the, the, Israel was just dispersed. Um, but Judah, Benjamin, they were, they, were, they were taken to Babylon. And this is articulation. Is the war is over. A, a path is being made to come back, to come back home. You know, your iniquity is pardoned. Um, she has received double for her sins. It's the, it is now to traverse the wilderness to return to Jerusalem from Babylon. The triumphant king is coming home. Um, and a path into, and that's the image, the whole imagery of the text is about the warfare being over. And even the declaration, when we read that text, you know, a voice says cry, and I said, what shall I cry? What shall I proclaim? I don't know how you receive this, how you hear this text, but I'm going to read it through again, I'm going to suggest something to you. What shall I cry? And I said, I cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now that, that we can simply receive that as a sense of the transitoriness of our human lives, and and you know, God is eternal, and we are not, and. But this is set in the context of the conquering king. The conquering king. So what does it mean? Well, what flesh is grass? Babylon. That mighty, incredible power 
that came and took us into captivity that we thought was the most powerful thing in the world but was going to take everything from us. Grass. Our enemy is grass. All flesh is grass. Not necessarily talking about our, us and our own fallenness and flesh. It is, it is too, but in this context, in this context, it's a reminder that that powerful entity of which we were so afraid is grass. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, it fades and withers and goes away. The word of our God stands forever. That's the, de- the declaration that is here. The war is over. The enemies have perished and the glory of the Lord is among us. The gospel here. The gospel for us here in Advent. And what else is proclaimed? It certainly is proclaimed that indeed that there's comfort for those who feel discomforted. For those who are in that reactive place. Comfort. Your warfare is over. Comfort, says the Lord. Um, there is an articulation that, that a path is being made. There is a returning king. There is victory. And there's a space for the Lord to come. There's articulation that, of course, our enemies are not a match for our Lord. Gospel in the middle of this. And he says this. What else is proclaiming this? It says, go up on a high... Again, this whole proclamation thing. Because I'm going to say it again. Sometimes it needs to be said several times. The war is over, guys. The war is over. The Lord has come. You know, it says, Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes to you with might and his arm rules for him. You know, when we are stuck um, in our reactive places or um, in our despair or in our pessimism or or we just might be in a snit, (laughs) um, we need someone to blow the trumpet and say, lift your head. Stop. Behold your God. The Lord is in your midst. This is the great sense of the gospel here. is the coming glory of the Lord to restore all things. And it needs to be proclaimed. It needs to be said aloud. We need to be reminded consistently. Um, I am by nature, um, I'm not by nature a pessimist. Well, as a fallen man, I'm by nature a pessimist, that's true. Um, But I'm not by nature a pessimist, but I am by nature the sort of person who looks at a situation and thinks, what's wrong here? What's wrong that needs to be fixed? You know, some people sort of look, and there's a gift to that, because then you sort of do, you see what's wrong and you work to fix it, which is not a bad thing. Um, but you just see what's wrong. Everything, it doesn't matter how, you know what's good. You just keep saying, well, what's next? There's always something wrong that needs to be fixed. And sometimes the trumpet needs to come and say, stop. Behold your God. 
and hold with God. I want to make a connected dot. Um, there may be other dots that you're connecting yourself, but I want to connect one particular dot. Um, <laughs> you all have had your own warfare, your own painful season. Um, indeed, the Diocese of the Upper Midwest had its own painful season, uh, of which you have up until recently. And, and again, much of that, broadly speaking, is yet to be resolved. And I understand that. But I want to remind you all that this summer you made a decision that took you out of that fray. Um, and in November, we, in Pittsburgh, made a decision to welcome you into our family. I, get, I realize much is not yet entirely resolved, and I get that. But something is. Something is. And I think there is a word here for you um, that your warfare has ended. Um, at least that particular one. There will be other warfares, don't worry. Uh, but that particular one. Um, and, and, and I want you to hear the proclamation of comfort. Um, and I want that, I'm hoping that that will bring you, uh, help to bring you out of what may remain of your own sense of reaction and pessimism. Um, because you think, eh, it's just comfort, the warfare is over. It's, it's an invitation to us all in the season to lay down even our defensive arms and to put our trust afresh in the conquering king, who is Jesus. In this context, I want to suggest to you, this, there's an opportunity for you as, when there has been created space for this, there has been created space for this, behold your God, who comes to you, who is in your midst, and always has been, in fact. But yet there is a deeper mystery of this, set within the season of Advent. Comfort, Comfort my people, says the Lord. Your warfare is ended. Well, what is that broader warfare? What is that broader reality of that warfare? Oftentimes in the church when we talk about warfare, we talk about spiritual warfare. And indeed, that exists. There is an enemy who is the enemy of our souls. But first and foremost, our enemy is our own human sin. Our own brokenness. First and foremost, that is the battle that we are all fighting every day of our lives. Um, and our battle against it in ourselves often feels so fruitless, constantly because we find ourselves mastered by our sin, by our anger, by our sometimes our pettiness, um, sometimes our smallness, sometimes other things that master us. But not just our own sin, but we are also living in the reality of the broken, the fallen, human, sinful world that is beyond just us. There's war, there is greed, there's abuse, there is cruelty, there is division, there is alienation in the world because of human sin. And by human sin, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, it's not their sin, it's my sin, our sin, it's our brokenness. And in that context, hear afresh, my dear brothers and sisters, the proclamation of Isaiah. 
in your battle with the sin that is within yourself, the sin that is in the world. Hear this. Comfort. Comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand a double for all her sins. Comfort, comfort my people, your warfare is ended. The victor over our sin has come. He has come. He has come and he has bled and died for each one of us. He has come to restore us, to be the victor over sin. All flesh, our sin nature, is grass. All flesh is grass. Our sin nature is grass. Because the Lord has come. The Lord has died for us. He has cleansed us by his cross. All flesh is grass, but the word of our Lord stands forever. In Advent, we live in this sense of, we live in the hope of the conquering king. On the cross, Jesus conquered our sin. He destroyed it. So the invitation from Isaiah today and always is make space. Make a way. In the, in the desert, in the wilderness, make a way and behold your God. Father God, I do thank you for the gift of the season. I thank you for the words of the prophet. And um, Lord, I thank you also that you are the one who brings the end to all of our warfare. And so, Lord God, we do ask that you would come and reign among us. Lord, that you would speak tenderly um, to your people here. That your kind and gracious and loving voice would be among us. Lord, would you give us grace to hear the proclamation, comfort, comfort. And Lord, where we still live in a reactive place, Lord, would you give us grace to find peace and rest in the conquering King, who is Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.